Welcome to Lessons from the Healing Field, an ongoing journey from head to heart with Dr. Howard E. Richmond. And good afternoon, good evening, hello, hello, whatever time of day it is for you right now. My name is Deborah Brown, and it is my pleasure to be the co-host of this show with my wonderful friend, Howard Richmond, MD. And Dr. H., are you with me? I'm here. Hi, Deborah. It's great to be here with you again, as always. Absolutely. You're always with me. Even if things are, even if, even if I'm thinking, man, I am just like the, the goofball of the world, you're still with me. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Yeah. yeah, I know. And sometimes I go off on a tangent, and it's like, what are you going? Where are you going, girl? That's just too much fun. And I think it's great that we can get back. You know. And by that, I don't mean the show. I mean life. I mean, sometimes, right. don't you find, well, of course, in your in your practice, you know, having all kinds of, what, over 20 years of, of various kinds of uh, people and um, situations that people get themselves into, and, oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine the stories you hear. But one that you've been telling that we've been exploring for the last seven episodes, this is actually the eighth one, is the the um, the journey of Lori who is the heroine of your novel, mm-hmm. which is called The Healing Field, a young psychiatrist's battle with his anorexic patient, her hunger strike against God, and their journey through the dark night of the soul. And it is your first novel, but it is also a beautiful journey, or uh, excuse me, I was going to say um, uh, labor of love, to tell the story of Lori, who was actually is and was your patient. So tell me that's, about that. That's because, right. And, yeah. and as we've talked about before, Deb, um, psychiatrists, uh, doctors don't write about their patients, and it was never my idea or notion to write this book until 15 years ago, Lori, my patient, said, as she was getting better, uh, as she said to me, you have to write about this. You have to write about the miracles because it could it could help someone else. So in the book, as you know, I wrote it as a novel. Um, It's a novelized version of the true story of our journey. I call her Lori in the book, and my character uh, is Henry Kaplan, or sometimes known as Dr. H, which was the name that Lori uh, had asked if she could call me Dr. H. And as you know, I call you Dr. H because it is... um kind of a nod to Lori, but it's also something that um, I think suits you. So I would like to refer to, instead of saying Dr. H for a few minutes, I want to say you, because we know mm-hmm. that what was going on with Dr. H in the book was actually, in March, large part, you. <laughs> so so it wasn't just Absolutely. Lori. Yeah, it wasn't just Lori that was transforming, was it? It was you as well, and big time. Um, That's right. So, yeah, so I just want to touch on a couple of parts of your life, and then we can kind of dissect a little bit of it. Um, your marriage, new career, exercise, you had back problems. At the same time, Lori was having agonizing back problems. You had your own back problems. You were exploring stand-up comedy, and you were questioning a lot of stuff. And here you are, locked in this battle with a patient who is, is just um, so ill, and basically she's trying dying. to kick. Yeah, say again. She's. Dying. Yeah, she's dying. 
Yeah. Yeah, she's dying. And then so you you save her life and you find your own. How beautiful is that? Yes, yes. And and um, I've said this to you before, and it comes up every time for me, because uh, Lori said to me uh, many times along this journey, you saved my life, and therefore I owe it to myself to have a life, to make a life, which gives me great relief and pride at the same time. So I'm not uh, on the pedestal of the Savior, but rather uh, the instigator, uh, the the inspirational um, um, person who, as you say, goes through my own trans. I go through my own transformation as well, and and it reminds me of the quote uh, on the first page of the healing field. I I write a quote from Carl Jung, the doctor is effective only when he himself is affected. And I certainly was affected by this journey, and it really validates that notion of uh, putting some skin in the game. Um, It's so meaningful. It is. And I would like to also say that my sense is that working with Lori made you a better doctor maybe even a better man because of what you two went through. I would agree. I would agree. And so it, what that tells the, us go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say in the depths in the depth in the depths of despair and of uncertainty and of fear and of wanting to give up when you don't when you stay there uh, with persist- persistence and patience uh, beyond um, the odds of success and letting go of needing to know what's going to happen, that that was where the miracles started to, to happen and unfold. Now, I have a question for you. Was that her, was that you, or was that both? Her, me, us, and it's universal. That's what I love about this and why I'm so passionate about it. because, yeah, it was singularly myself, singularly her, together it was us, and then universally it's the journey through fear, through judgment, to the other side where there's love, where there's compassion, when there's, where there's greater understanding and empathy and empowerment. That's the good stuff. It is the good stuff. And don't you feel that... When we do the best we can in a relationship with another person, and frankly, the best we can with the relationship with ourselves, when we really show up for others and ourselves, that that's where the magic happens. It's that showing right. up and really, you know, staying in the game, sort of, and and being willing to, doing your best. to yeah, yeah, doing your best it, and. I mean, it's so um, it is so easy to um, for me anyway to slip into old patterns of um, worrying that I'm not good enough, and you know I'm a, I think I've mentioned before on these episodes I am actually a very positive person most of the time. I am a very uh, confident person most of the time, but when I get off my game and I am um, feeling like oh my god, you know what <laughs> what am I doing? I have no clue, you know, and I I start to feel like that. Man, it takes it takes a miracle sometimes for me to um to reflect on what's going on and then 
come back to the truth, and that is that I am confident and pretty cool, and, you know, I deserve to be here, you know. So, I mean, I can't even imagine not being able to do that myself. Well, see, Deb, as I've gotten to know you, you're a person that tends to stay in the realm of yes, yes to life, tends to stay in the realm of optimism. And then when you have your challenges, you fall. And then you fall down um, pretty low, and you're able to somehow, with whatever energy and determination and length of time, to to pick yourself back up and get back up there. Now, for Lori, she had fallen she had fallen and she had stayed really, really low and really, really deep in the no to life. You know, we all have periods where we get sad, where we get depressed, where we fall into despair. And for some people, uh, it becomes a great challenge how to get out of that place. And that was the great challenge for Lori and I, for me to help her get out of that space uh, and for her to be willing to shift from her energy, which was absolutely no to life. What is the purpose? She had so many uh, traumas and challenges that were so overwhelming that it was tough to get out of bed and brush her teeth barely imaginable uh, unless we've um, uh, come across that profound feeling of of despair. And so when you're that negative, and and we can all relate to uh, those those challenging times, um, no seems so much easier than saying yes, because no requires no new energy, and yes, it is feels like it requires a tremendous amount of energy. I, I you know, I'm I'm thinking that um who we surround ourselves with might have some bearing on this. Um for example, who you're with reflects back whatever they're seeing in you, right? And and in the beginning of Lori's life and in her young adulthood and in her marriage, who she was with was reflecting back things that weren't true about her. Am I right about that? Yes, we are we are influenced by our genetics as well as we are influenced by our environment, by our parents, by our siblings, those that we're in relationship with. And if the community or the tribe um, or the significant other or others are reflecting back on us, uh, even even subconsciously, uh, our deficits or our perceived deficits or our worthlessness, then um, as Lori did, she took that on as if it was true. She took it on as if she was a pathetic loser, uh, didn't deserve to live, and couldn't figure out why she was still alive. Exactly. And I think that's an unfortunate thing that happens to a lot of people. It's who who you're with that sometimes you can't get away from if it's your family. <laughs> so, um, So then is it incumbent upon us then to figure out a way to have it work 
so that we're reflecting back our own soul, our own heart. I'm, I, you know what I'm saying? If, in other words, if the people around you are not serving you and feeding your soul, is it? Can we just go deeper inside and get what we need? We we can. We can, and that's where the word can't doesn't live in the healing field. In the healing field, there's yes. In uh, chapter 19 on the, uh, in the book, there's a, a yes to life, which was a, a profound shift. So there are times when it seems impossible to get out of the situation or relationship or the family or whatever the challenges or the obstacles. And that can be a profound misperception that we haven't come across yet the tools or the way uh, that the universe or someone else or to find deep inside of ourselves we're going to get out of this mess. That's what keeps people in despair, that they can't see a way out. When we neutralize can't and maybe say, right now I'm not able to see and I'm holding the intention that I want to, that I will, that I'm working on finding a way. That's 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 starting to turn uh, a corner, which can which can be a long journey. And uh, that's the the key there is to not get stuck in that perception that there's no way out. Right. Right. And then I'm thinking also. Um, that my tendency is to um, think about what my mother would think of something that I'm thinking or doing or some kind of good thing that's happened to me that I wish I could share with her. She's been gone six years. It'll be six years in January. She's, she passed away. And um, um, I know that that was... Um, she was she was always my champion. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it was easy to get reflected back when I would tell her something. Mm-hmm. You know, she was very proud of me. So even after all this time, <clears throat> I can still get that if I think about what she would say to me. Right, and and you're. Absolutely, and your your sadness reflects the loss of of your mom, who was such a champion. Uh, I, I'm getting that that picture, such a champion of of Deb Brown. So so yeah, emotions don't know the calendar, and so um, six years, sixty years, that time doesn't matter when it comes to emotions. And so you can uh, picture her, feel that sadness, and then. Also, the yes and is have that image of her that keeps her alive, that you can hear her saying to you, great job, get up, you can do this. And and so that's a positive interject or, or role model that you were blessed and fortunate to have in your mom. Yes, and... <laughs> Um, I, I have to say, um, even in my 50s, for God's sake, she would still hang things on the refrigerator, like a, a new brochure for a business or something like that. My mother would hang <laughs> my my brochure no. on her refrigerator, and I'll never forget. Right. And and I, you know, I, I I'm not a I'm not a 
sorry that I'm emotional. So I'm just, I started to say sorry, but I'm not. Um, Good. But I used to think, you know, who's going to hang my stuff? You know, who's going to hang my stuff? There's nobody to hang my stuff anymore. And then I realized, well, I'll hang my own stuff and I'll keep putting people in my life that hang my stuff. You know what I'm saying? So bless Lori because she found you and so did I and so did everybody else on this, you know, that's, that's hearing our voices. So. Well, you know, we we all need, we all could use a champion like your mom or like Lori had with me. She needed somebody to hang something positive on her refrigerator because on her refrigerator there was this doghouse, and if you did something bad, then that was what was um, championed, so to speak. And so if we could find, uh, as you do and did with Deb, with your mom, and then through your grieving, through your loss, you realize, oh, hey, I can hang that on the refrigerator for me. That was your inner mother coming out to nurture your inner child. And what a wonderful tribute to you and to your mother to keep that circuit, to keep that relationship, to keep that positive energy going. And it's it's parallel to what uh, eventually I was able to do with uh, with Lori, and then eventually she's been able to do with herself. Wow. Wow. So this is, as so many of the things we've talked about, this is universal. This is not this is not a one-off, you know. It doesn't happen to one person. It happens to everybody, or at least a huge preponderance of the population. You know, this, Absolutely. this, this thing, that, you know, that, that it's, it's enough to mow me down for a moment, like, like, a, like a lawnmower coming over me that like, knocks me down and literally like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going under. And then I take a breath and I go, okay, you know, come back. <laughs> so get back up. Ah, yeah. I'll tell you, it's uh, <laughs> it's tricky being human. Darn it! <laughs> it, cer- it certainly is, and and that's you know it's part of the universal universality of being human, and the complexity and the challenges. And uh, I love the title of the healing field because it's a parallel, a metaphor of of a field and of a garden that. Not every uh, plant uh, in the garden is going to reach its full potential. We can see, though, with the tilling of the soil and the sun, amount of sunshine and water uh, that we can give our plants, uh, they'll reach their more fuller potential. And it's the same as human being, too. There are certain things that are going to keep us um in the dark, in the shade, uh, without the fertilizer. Uh, and there's other things that can uh, pull us out of the, the shade and, and give us abundance of water and sun, sunshine and even fertilizer so that uh, we can grow. Just hearing you say that kind of reminds me to breathe a little bit and all is well. <laughs> so yeah. thank you. Thank you for, um, thank you for that because... Uh, it is about growth and sunshine and fertilization and um and just um yeah just being just being sometimes is good enough being. yeah you know and there there's uh one more uh quote i want to 
share in the book up um, from a poem by Anais Nin, which reads, And the day came when the risk it took to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. The day came when the risk it took to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And that reflects the journey with Lori in the healing field, that she realized that the pain to remain in the bud, to remain tight in her rules, in her upbringing, in her fears, that pain was too much. And and the fear of coming out of the bud was no longer as fearful. And that's the risk that she took, the risk that I took, and then thank goodness, <laughs> with a lot of labor and healing intention, there was blossom after blossom. Exactly. Now, I know at one point in your relationship, doctor-patient relationship, um, you know, you might have felt like you were at the end of your rope, and she probably thought you were at the end of your rope. Well, matter of fact, I'm sure she did think that you were at the end of your rope, and um, if you'll tell us a little bit about it, um, uh, I think you were on a, on a trip, your, your, your annual trip, maybe to the holiday, maybe Thanksgiving, I think it was, and then um, you were going to be gone for a while. And you had been seeing her on a regular basis, like, what, daily? <laughs> so, so for you to be gone well, for a while time, is, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, at that time period, uh, she was in the hospital. I was seeing her every day. And so... Uh, I was going to the East Coast to uh, visit my family, and I was going to be gone for five days. Now, to the casual observer, that can seem like, well, no big deal. That's five days, and you'll just get a substitute uh, pitch 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 hitter doctor to come in to take my place. Though um, it's very different when you get closer and stay longer for a number of reasons. One, the relationship between Lori and I um, had grown, had evolved. We had gone through so much together, and it was shifting a deep mistrust to being able to to have a, a trust, at, at the very least a fragile, trusting relationship. And so that can't just re- be replaced with the snap of the fingers. And so on a deep level, there was this deep abandonment, fear, and wound. So my leaving, even though her logic was trying to tell her that that's something that I did every year and that it wasn't personal, her emotional body uh, was overwhelming her and flooding her with thoughts that I needed a break from her, that I wanted to get away, that it meant that she wasn't worthy of of my seeing her. She still couldn't believe why I would see her every day. So it was very profound on a deeper level that the Thanksgiving uh, holiday was coming up. She was in the middle of a of a four uh a, no a sixteen week hospitalization, so my going away for five days was extremely uh, traumatic and terrifying for her 
Wow. So why don't you read um, page 204. I think you might have 202 in the version of the book you have. Um, but read that part. Um, you've just set the context already. So you're now getting back. <laughs> and things have not gone well while you were gone. <laughs> That's right. To say, so the, to say the least. <laughs> I left. I came back five days later. And when I came back, I first looked at her chart at the nursing station. I saw that she barely ate anything. I saw that uh, I, I knew that at five foot seven, her weight was perilously low at at 85 or 86 pounds that she she could die from a cardiac arrest from arrhythmia so when i got back and she deteriorated even more my first reaction was well, it was a mixture of, of, of anger, disappointment, and fear. So um, here's the passage that I'm going to read. I say, Lori, what do you need me to do? The words rushed from Henry's mouth uncontrolled. He could hardly, hardly believe it was his own voice. Do you need me to be here three hours a day, eight days a week? He suddenly stopped lowering his arms and getting control of his voice, reminding himself how important it was to appear confident and calm with his with his patients. What is it you need me to do? He stood close to the to the door of her, her room in the hospital, not really knowing what to say. Lori rolled from her bed and fell to the floor, gulping air and moaning. She couldn't talk. Her limbs seemed to scatter every which way. She didn't know, didn't care, and couldn't have gathered herself together if she tried. Her body, mind, and spirit cried out in desperation and defeat. I'm in so much agony. Her pain unexpectedly triggered something in Henry. He stepped forward and lowered himself to the floor, an arm's length from Lori's head. Crossing his legs, he sat in front of her crumpled shell of a body. He saw with absolute clarity how her whole being was drowning in pain. He saw how desperately she needed to be heard, how deeply she yearned to be understood, to be cared for, to be loved. Like a bolt of lightning, her pain sparked a cloudburst of clarity. The heavens opened up. So did Henry's heart, raining streams of compassion around the storm of Lori's misery. All his judgment dissolved. Time stopped. Without a word, he reached for her hands, hanging from the limp, lifeless appendages her arms seemed to have become. He gently grasped her trembling fingers and pulled her hands tenderly toward him. Jarred by the physical contact, Lori managed to lift her head and turn toward Dr. H. She strained to focus through her flood of tears. Henry peered intensely into the misty blue depths of her eyes. You have a beautiful soul, he uttered softly. The rhythm of her breathing slowed and calmed. What? She said. Henry repeated what he said. 
you have a beautiful soul. She let out a deep wail, and then she seemed to be choking on her words. Lori tried to speak, but all she could do was squeeze out a stream of garbled sounds. Henry took a breath. Lori struggled to speak. No one ever, her voice labored, but growing ever so slightly. No one ever told me that, she finally managed to to say. A flood of tears washed away the painful debris of her past sorrow. Wow. So much going on there. Oh, my gosh. So much going on. I, I, I mean, that was, was the game huge. changer. That was the game yes. changer right there, wasn't it? It was huge. Be- you know, it, it, I, I tried to articulate it in the book as it unfolded, just like that. Uh, it was without really thinking. It was intuition. It was a shift. It was an inner knowing. And then my reaching out towards her in that way and her ability to receive it uh, was like a huge transformer, uh, like a like an electric transformer, uh, a circuit that turned on a switch in her that somebody had looked deep in her eyes and said, you have a beautiful soul. She just, her brain could not comprehend that, and somewhere within that lack of comprehension was an opening of, well, well, maybe, maybe, if that's true, then maybe there's hope for me. And isn't that exactly what we started talking about at the beginning of this, uh, this episode? We were talking about who reflects back and what they see. Yeah. And how that miracle happens when that heart-to-heart and soul-to-soul connection occurs. And that's what is so beautiful. Right. Right. And you didn't even plan that, Deb. And look how that came back full circuit right now. Wow. Wow. That's a miracle, too. <laughs> well, it, you know what? It's, um, it really is part of the healing field, isn't it? I mean, it's like that, that whole... You know the the bud, the the um, the bud being so tight that you were talking about Anais Nin had, having said, you know that it's harder yeah. to to hold that bud in so tight like that, and then to let it go is such a beautiful thing. And I think letting someone hear the words that were the absolute words that changed her life. You have a beautiful soul. You could have you you could have right. said almost anything else, and it would not have had the same effect. This was it. This was right. the one thing that was for her to hear. And I had no idea I was going to say that. just came out. Wow. Well, that's divine. So the, the truth really does set us free when we really work for it on a, on a deeper level, and it's more than just a, um, a postcard or a bumper sticker. The truth really does set us free when we work it like this. And after that point, that's when Lori really owned Yes to Life. And she came up with that on her own. Yes. Correct? That was yes. her. Um, why don't you tell about that, if you don't mind? And here's what, before you tell the story about how that happened briefly, I want people to understand that we're not telling the story of Lori so that you don't have to read the book. <laughs> we want you to read the book 
because it is so fantastic. It is beautifully written. It is. Um, Thank you. It's it's not just for people you know who've had a, a, an eating disorder or almost died or anything like that. There's so much deeper in here, and I hope that you can tell by some of the questions that I've been asking. Uh, and I'm, now I'm talking to the listener, not you, Dr. H. But, you know, it, this is not just for um, people with eating disorders by any stretch of the imagination. It is so, it is miraculous. It is really, there are miracles in every chapter if you open your heart and listen from that space. And it's just beautiful. So, um, and thank you for writing it and sharing it and um, and letting me ask questions about it. So, that was thank you. Thank you, Deb. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yeah, and that, that's that's the feedback that we continue to get. That this book, as uh, I know, it, it's 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 a book that's not about anorexia, even though Lori uh, struggled with it for years. It's about the uh, our universal uh, spirit and and our drive for for wholeness, uh, even in the face of the the most horrendous deepest darkest despair so it's a very inspirational story so her yes to life that was triggered by my saying to her you have a beautiful soul um that sparked in lori that drive for for wholeness and that uh hope that um that yes maybe she could uh learn how to live and uh connect with a sense of her worthiness so the next day she went to art therapy and up until that time maybe three or three and a half weeks in the hospital um, she wouldn't go to art therapy she just didn't want to engage thought it was a waste of time figured out she wouldn't get anything out of it no motivation inspiration whatsoever the next day though she went to her first art therapy uh, session in the hospital and she got uh, a multitude of colored uh, uh, pencils and a big poster and she wrote the words yes to life and she did it meticulously and she did it beautifully and so she was owning now those three words yes to life with three exclamation marks after that so i didn't say to her lori now you have to go to art therapy and make a poster and call it yes to life no that came from her, so she was taking ownership now. She was stepping into the healing field and owning that she had a part in this, and that partnership with me really took off from that point. Ah, uh, it's it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. And I love in the book where you say, yes to life spoke to her of possibility as if her past were a dried-up creek bed that now had the possibility of becoming a rippling stream, a tributary of hope. Who wrote that? I like that. That's pretty it's good. It's very lovely. It's very lovely. Yeah, and, um, and uh, you know, I always think that water is such a healing thing anyway. So when you talk about a tributary of hope, you know, anything that is yeah. flowing like that and um, and that imagery I think it's beautiful, not only the beautiful writing, but also, you know, it just speaks to what was going on for her, and I really get it, and I, I love it. Yeah, thank you. And and right, with the imagery, you can feel it on, um, on different levels. It's not just um, bland words. It now has movement, energy, 
um, and um, the associations of, of cleansing and clearing, and um, that's that's the good stuff that's really great. It is. Now, here's what's really cool. After this experience of uh, Lori re- really connecting to her self-worth and her worthiness, I mean, really deciding, oh, you know what, this I am worth it and I do really want to live. And um, you had some other experiences that um, that basically helped name the book um, because you took her to what was a healing field, which was really a, a field nearby the hospital, right? You were you were able to take her out on on uh, several occasions. And what was happening for her there? And the reason I'm asking that is like, was it the place, or was it being out in nature, or was it just what was happening inside her and being able to be outside and breathe it in so deeply? You know, the, the possibilities for a life worth living is it was in all of that. It was a yes and all of that. It was a multi-dimensional, layered resonance of yes to life. So when I started taking her out of her hospital room and taking her on these walks beyond the parking lot of the hospital and slowing down her body and slowing down her mind. It was as if she was looking at the world the, uh, in, in the first time in, in, in a different way. I would say, Lori, slow down. Look at those flowers. Feel the sun, sunshine on you. I would take her out to the field and run circles around her, saying, is this what your mind is doing, running circles around you? So it was on many levels, both symbolically and practically on a ground level, uh, movement and vision and bodily sensations. It was as if this was realigning her neuro circuits uh, from shifting from the battlefield, which she uh, lingered for most of her life, to this new beautiful sensation of the healing field that was both unfamiliar, scary, and exciting at the same time. So it was ju- it was the physicality of it. It was the outdoors element of it. It was your openness and her openness, and all of that miraculous sharing that was going on and the transformation that you were all having. It was just this beautiful soup. Of of, yes. um, <laughs> of timing and intentionality and desire and love and light, it was a beautiful soup. In in the field, she would say to me, "I I feel so much lighter." out here and she meant on the physical domain which was really interesting to hear she felt so much light lighter in her physical body in the world in her hospital room in her mind she had felt like in the bud in the poem she felt so closed in and so heavy so weighted down with emotions of guilt shame and worthlessness and failure all of that out in the field where her doctor was running circles around her, uh, that was extraordinary. That was breaking a paradigm. Uh, I was being a rule breaker because she grew up with so many rules, and that was giving her the permission 
permission to be bold in her life, the permission to break out of the bud and to experience what it was like to bloom. To bloom. And, and so bold that uh, I'm going to read a passage that we talked about that really uh, reflected her boldness. Great. Good. Shall I? Okay, so we're uh, I'll go for it then. So we're we're in the fields one day and um she's in Bolden and she turns to me and she blurts out, "Dr. H, will you fly me?" Her father, Lori's father, had owned several small private airplanes when Lori was a child and would take her and her siblings up high in the sky on special Sundays. She didn't mind that her brother always got the front seat. She loved to gaze down at the tiny trees and houses, imagining a picturesque harmony found only in fairy tale endings. A bee whizzed by. Fly you? Henry muttered under his breath as little sparks of anxiety jumped into his chest. He squinted silently at the clear blue mid-afternoon sky. Will you fly me, Lori repeated, her eyes widening. She stood above him like a stripped winter tree, casting a thin shadow onto the blanket that she had placed on the grass. Henry cleared his throat. <clears throat> what do you mean? His senses were on high alert. You know, Lori said, when you were a kid, did your dad ever lie on his back and lift up his legs and let you jump on his feet so you'd fly in the air? Sure, Henry said. He had no idea where, we, where she was going with this, but her face radiated sh sunshine. Could you fly me? Um, you, you mean right here, right now in the field? Henry tugged on his earlobe, stalling to integrate this new information. What if someone saw him flying Lori? He tried to imagine it, incredible as it sounded. It would definitely be a violation of protocol. In all his years of medical training, there were definitely no flying sessions with patients. He had never flown a patient in his life. They didn't give out flight manuals in medical school. He scoped the field for whistleblowers like a centurion scouting for spies. No one else was around. Good. What to do? His conservatively conditioned mind made a strong suggestion. He should take flight himself. He should flee. Lori's chin dropped dejectedly, her enthusiasm vanishing with Dr. H.'s hesitation. She felt stupid and her body felt heavy again. Maybe I'm too fat, she said, backing away from him as he sat on the grass atop the blanket, wondering what to do. She wandered off several yards, shuffling back toward the hospital. Her mind began to unravel from rejection. No, 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 Henry called. Come back, Lori. He rose to his knees. I'll fly you, damn it. Lori spun around, hopefully. Really? Her eyes threatened to fly out of their sockets. You'll fly me? Yes, come on. He lay down flat on the blanket, surrendering to the heavens above. 
his mind flashed on a verse by Jalaluddin Rumi, the 13th century Sufi poet. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. The healing field. Come fly with me. No longer concerned if anyone caught him in the simple act of loving, compassionate care, Henry lay back, bent his knees, and transformed himself into a human flying machine. Lori leaned over Dr. H.'s welcoming size 11 feet. She stretched out her arms like wings and filled her lungs with a breath of inspiration. Counting down silently, she took a small leap and sprang into the air. Actually, it was a huge leap. She lifted off the unstable yet familiar ground of her rigidly controlling past into a present of uncertainty. She took a courageous leap of faith and trust. She took a quantum leap, and so did Henry. No longer just a doctor or a man bent on fixing mind, uh, fixing broken minds, he had become a healing partner and a human spirit who recognized another human spirit beyond the fragile yet stubborn ego shell. He reflected back to her a belief and a potential in herself that she had never imagined existed until now. And not so strangely, she had a similar impact on him. Like two mirrors placed facing one another, the possibility for growth and expansion became infinite. Lori's stomach landed squarely on Dr. H.'s feet. Her arms extended out from her frail trunk like a human cross suspended in air. A warm breeze lifted her spirit higher and higher. I'm flying, she cried with delight. Her body radiated freedom and joy. Tears streamed down her cheeks and fell like raindrops to the ground. When the soul lies down on that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Wow. So here's what I know. Dr. H had to risk no flight manuals, no permission to do such things as a as a healing doctor, no way that was part of the training, worrying about a whistleblower catching sight of such an amazing-looking thing happening out in the field. Dr. H had to risk. And what happened was her freedom and joy was able to come to the fore. Right, right. I, too, had to break out of the bud of uncertainty, of fear, of risking potential judgment and ridicule, etc., to not think about that, to get out of my mind, into my heart of what the situation uh, called for, the, the healing field, that space. So it was a risk that both of us took and um, one that uh, forever changed both of us. Well, yes, and she thanked you right after that, and she said yes to life. She said it out loud. And so yes. out in that healing field, yes. the feeling that something was missing, a feeling that had been there for such a long, long time, wasn't so strong anymore. The eucalyptus tree seemed to laugh joyfully. The miracles were just beginning. 
That's part of what yes. you wrote right after that. Isn't that beautiful? I I know you yeah. were there and you saw it, <laughs> but to me it's just so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's it's beautiful that that we get to share it. And I know that um that Lori probably um remembers of course living through all of it, but the way this book is written, she has got to be so proud of what you have done. And, oh, and she's she... just so proud, and um, each time that she uh, gets feedback or um, recently reread the um, the finalized version, and just it really deepened her own uh, journey and her own uh, appreciation and confidence in herself for having the audacity to ask her doctor to write the story about what we had gone through. So. It's a, a timeless piece of work. It's a timeless scene because each time we go there, at least for me, I feel another renewed sense of uh, inspiration and validation and, and a gust of, uh, uh, of, of warm air lifting my spirit even higher. Absolutely. And I want to also point out how audacious she was even sooner than this uh, healing field experience and the yes to life part is when she asked if she could call you Dr. H. Um, I remember right. how she really had to gather herself to, you know, to even ask a simple question that many people would say was no big deal. You know, what's the worst that'll happen? He'll say, no, you got to call me, you know, whatever, whatever. Or, but in her mind, asking and then being uh, granted such what would seem like a simple thing was another opportunity for her growth right there. Boom. So I guess what I'm saying is this conversation that you and I have had today is all about how we are with each other, you know, and what that leads to, the 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 opportunity that we create, um, the bold and loving declarations that we make, you know, that that are about ourselves or about each other. And then we just remind ourselves that we're wonderful and powerful and creative and dynamic and contributing and and all that stuff. But having you be able to reflect back what you saw in her and how desperately you wanted her to live is what really shifted everything for both of you. It it did. It did. And so wonderful in reflection on that how I didn't I couldn't realize at the time the 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 positive um wave that i would receive in the journey i was focused on trying to save my patient's life who was dying and that's what i was trained to do and fearing that i might not be able to do it little did i realize what a tremendous growth um spurt uh this this was that um that that the risk to, to take to blossom uh, was no longer um, getting in the way, and so we we both uh, grew um, tremendously from the journey and a couple of these uh, passages that that highlight it. And breaking the paradigms is so interesting. You know, we get we get caught up in the way things are supposed to be. You know. Right. Not, not you, not you all the time. <laughs> Talking about me, <laughs> you have more fluidity, I think, in your in your way of um, speaking. That you know, um, in other words, that seemed more uh, 
more structure to that than I think you probably put. I just lost. Tra- I just completely lost my train of thought. Where was I? Going? Oh, breaking so paradigm. He, um, here, yeah. here's the It's the it's the rules because we're we're yes. conditioned to. to rules that we don't even think of them really as rules there's an inherent perception of safety when we go along with whatever our tribe whether it's the medical tribe or the religious tribe or whatever tribes that we come from there's this implicit safety that is we're going to avoid fear if we follow the rules the paradox is if we follow the rules to uh, too too much, uh, we become rigid and we become tight, and it's a growth inhibitor, and it keeps fear uh, as the uh, force that inhibits us. So yeah, it takes the the risk to uh, get out of the box, to to become more flexible, and to um, uh, experience what it, it in the territory of the unknown. Joseph Campbell Joseph Campbell's the hero's journey to break out, to experience and explore, that's when we nurture our spirit, our soul, and our human being. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. My my brain, after you and I talk for a while, is on, it, it's like a buzzing, a good buzzing, you know, like a good, uh, oh my gosh, you know, how can I, how can I remember all of this? You know, I, and I, I, I don't. <laughs> I, as we have discussed, sometimes I can, I've got you know, fresh content, you know, in my brain, and I'll still have a moment the next day where I go, oh man, I just, I just completely forgot what we talked about. I have, I'm just, you know, like, back the way it was before, you know. So. You know, and that's that's the, that's the learning curve. That's also the beauty of the podcast, and that's also when we get out of our conditioned left brain and more into our hearts, and that's what you're expressing, because when the brain is buzzing like that, we've just gone to a different space. And in that light, Deb, I think it would be a nice thing to share with our listeners who want to hear the song that um, I commissioned. Um, I met a singer-songwriter who works out of Los Angeles, and he uh, composed a song for the healing field that captures that that right brain in the heart feeling. So I was just moved to tears when I heard the Healing Field song, which he calls The Field, uh, Chris Assad. So if you wouldn't mind playing it, those who want to uh, listen to the song will continue this experience from a heart space. And I would love to do that. Now my question to you is, shall we let it just be the the outro music and let's just sign off now and then we won't come back and and say anything. Let just people let people just listen at their um, yes. Is that okay with yes, you? Yes, let's do All that right. and remind people as you do so well each time that if they want more information to go to howardrichmondmd.com and there's links to all sorts of goodies. Yes, there's links to um, the Healing Field book. Um, there's a page that uh, on that website, howardrichmondmd.com, that is the, uh, it says buy the book. Um, and then there's also the healingfieldbook.com. And we Don't have tell a them, face- Let them go. Let's play the song. Let's just have the song come <laughs> in. 
those All that right. are uh, will right. go there. Thank you, Deb. It's been wonderful and delicious um, um, cohorting with you in the field today. Thank you. I've Thank you. Weight of the world on my shoulders far too long. And now I need a helping hand to find the strength carry on. What if love was a place where there's no right or wrong? Would you stand up and say, yes, I know I belong? In the field, come fly with me, we're leaping faith, set ourselves free. In the field, we'll plant the seed, watch it grow, till we believe, so meet me. I've been battling, fighting the good fight. I've got nothing left to give. And they say laughter's the best medicine. Could you show me where to begin? What if love is a place? Where we're already safe Could you open your heart And let go the pain In the field Come fly with me We'll leap in faith Set ourselves free In the field We'll plant the seed Watch it grow Till we believe Thank you.